Hey everybody, John Finn, Church Without Walls International, C-W-O-W-I.org. And we are a worldwide house church network celebrating the gathering of the saints in the home, rotating who leads each week, where possible rotating who hosts each week. And there at our website, you can find out information, videos, uh, things of that nature about church in the home, the biblical way they did it, the, the way it was done for the first 300 years, expanding from house to house to house until they saturated the Roman Empire from the ground up. And so uh, anyway, you can learn all about that. Also at our website, you can sign up for my weekly thoughts. That's a weekly teaching that comes out every Friday, U.S. time, and also my monthly e-newsletter. It's in those weekly thoughts and in the newsletter that I put news of, of our Zoom meetings, conferences, web meetings, and also any prophetic words, anything the Lord uh, shares with me that I am led to share with uh, with those who are following us and, and paying attention to what we're doing. I don't publish those things any longer on YouTube and, and stuff like that. There's too many, <laughs> too much junk out there, too many voices. So uh, for those who have an ear to hear, let them hear. All right, cwowi.org. All right, last week uh, I asked about if you knew how to use the name of Jesus for healing. Today I'm talking about demons demons and one particular unscriptural practice that has become almost gospel truth uh, for many, at least at least in a particular sect of Christianity. And that is asking, asking the questions, can you cast out demons anywhere? Um, years ago, years ago, there were, uh, back in, what would that have been, 19, uh, early 1980s and to mid-1980s, there arose a, a movement of Christians gathering together to cast demons out of high places. Um, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, it actually happened that there were a group who uh, dressed up in army fatigues and went to the top of a 60-story building at the Oral Roberts University that then called the City of Faith. But the 60th floor, the tallest uh, uh, floor they could, and because they wanted to be closer to the demons that they were doing battle with, the principalities and powers of the air, and so they, they actually did that, dressed up in army fatigues, went to the 60th floor, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, today, it's, it's a little more, brought some more balance, but there is still a sect of it uh, out there. And there is a, a basic philosophy. It's like this. It goes like this. If you're, if you're on Facebook, you can see it. People will alert to some demonic meeting, conference, gathering, or whatever. And they will say something like, bind the devil, or let's cast the devil out over these things, or, or whatever the case may be. Um, in back in the eighties and nineties, it was going into a town or a city and, uh, and then you would, uh, supposedly cast demons out that were in charge of that city or in charge of that area. And then you would have your Christian meeting or whatever. And then they would proclaim revival was coming because we had done this. Uh, I ran into this over and over and over again in my travels in the, uh, in the 1990s even, uh, where this practice was going forth, you know, and, and it was supposedly God was then going to bring revival. Of course, um, years later, one of the leaders said, you know, this isn't working. Nothing, none of this is having any effect. Nevertheless, it lives on. And so the question I'm bringing up today, is it scriptural? Can you go into a city or can you, do you have the authority to take uh, uh, authority over a demonic force, over a city, a town, a region, or maybe somebody you don't even know and have no authority in? And the short answer is no. Let me give you some examples. And I'll, I'll make this statement. Every demon that Jesus or the apostles cast out in scripture was brought to them. The person came to them 
uh, and or they had the lines of authority given to them to cast the demon out. Let me give you an example. Matthew 8, chapter 5, uh, Matthew 8, 15 through 17. It says this, Jesus touched her hand and the fever left her. Then she arose and ministered to them. Now, when the night was coming, their evening was coming, they brought him to him, brought to him many who were possessed with devils and he cast out spirits with his word and he healed the sick. Okay, so they brought to him those who had demons, then he cast them out. Notice that Jesus didn't go roundabout. There's no account anywhere where Jesus was specifically going out to go demon hunting. <laughs> okay, um, uh, Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. It says, they came over to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he came out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. So here again, Jesus is going about his business, but the man with legion, the man with the unclean spirit, comes to Jesus to have those demons cast out. Again, Jesus didn't go demon hunting. And also, you don't find Jesus saying, okay, I'm going to go into Tyre and Sidon next, and so I want you guys to go ahead of me and and pray and cast out the principalities and powers of the air and the demons that are in that area before I go as a way of preparation. Jesus never said any of that and never did any of that, neither did the, any of the apostles. Another example, Here's uh, let, let's switch to uh, Mark chapter 7, and this is lines of authority. It says, from there he went up and he went to the Tyre and Sidon and he got into a, went into a house and, um, and a certain woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit, this is Mark 7, verses 24 through 26, a certain daughter whose woman had an unclean spirit heard of him and came to him and fell at his feet. Now she was Greek, Syrophoenician, and uh, she said, would you please cast the demon out of, out of my daughter? Now Jesus then put forth a parable to her saying that it's not right that the bread of the children be given to the dogs. And of course, if, if she was truly understood him as the son of David, as she called him, she would answer the parable with a parable, signifying that she understood what Jesus was saying. Uh, otherwise, she'd just hear a lesson about bread and dogs and masters and stuff like that. So when Jesus said, you know, it's not right that the, the children's bread be given to the dogs, that was a, a parable of the, of the local area of saying that the children are the children of Israel, the, the bread is himself, and the dogs would be the uh, the uh, Gentiles in that area. And the woman understood after calling him son of David, and she said this, she said, right, but even the puppies get the crumbs from the master's table, and so or from the owner's table. And so she understood uh, what was going on. And, see, and so he said, great is your faith, go your way, your daughter's healed. So what happened here is that the woman gave Jesus the authority to cast the demons out of her daughter uh, because she came to him. Again, Jesus didn't go looking for demons. She came to him, gave him the authority. A lot of times the questions will come up from grandparents. Do I have the authority to cast the demons you know, out of my adult children and grandchildren's lives and stuff like that? And it's like, well, you can certainly have influence there, but the, the focus of prayer actually in the New Testament is for the individual to be changed from the inside out. Now, can you take authority over demonic influences to a degree? Uh, I believe you can, but to actually get rid of them? No, that's an individual choice. You, know, you, you can pray for that alcoholic, take authority over the alcoholic spirits, whatever of that person that you love uh, all you want, but the reality is they have to overcome that alcoholism. So you, you, we come alongside to help, but each person has to exercise their own free will against it. Um, 
One other thing to, to bring out here, Acts chapter 16, verse 16, this is an interesting place. Uh, Paul is in Philippi, and a, a, a woman, a, a young girl, excuse me, a damsel, it says in the King James, and in the Greek it means a, a, a young girl, a slave girl, basically, who followed Paul and Silas, and they said, these men are slaves of the Most High God, they're showing the way of salvation. And and then finally, after many days, Paul became grieved, and then he cast that spirit out of him, and people are confused of this. But many commentaries, the, the ones that are more accurate and historical to uh, the context, understand uh, that the spirit of divination is literally, in the Greek, the spirit of Python. And, it, and basically, Apollo uh, killed a giant snake, and so Apollo or Python became associated uh, with this. And so when she was saying the Most High God, in that culture, it could mean any demonic force, any big, quote-unquote, God, little g, of the Greeks or the Romans. In that context of Philippi, it would have meant Apollo. So this this girl who had a, sp a python spirit uh, or Apollo spirit was proclaiming not the Lord God of Israel, but rather to the Greeks around them, the Most High God to them was Apollo. You understand? They didn't know anything about Jesus. They didn't know anything about the Father God. So the spirit of, of divination, the spirit of Python through this girl was saying the Most High God to all the Greeks listening who weren't uh, up to speed on what on the Jewish God uh, of Israel. Uh, they thought she was talking about, you know, they're showing the way of Apollo. And so, and so there was a grievance there, and it indicates not just an annoyance, but a spiritual grievance where, and you'll find this, and the reason for spending the time on this, you'll find a, within you sometimes a, a, like a, a, I would call it a righteous indignation will rise up and you'll know to cast a certain spirit off of that adult son or daughter or child, or grandchild, whatever the case is, or person you, that, you know, confronts you or, or comes to you. And you'll sense that inside. And that's what happened to Paul here. So my point is this in this teaching that 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 Jesus neither Jesus nor Paul nor Peter nor any of the apostles nor anything in church history that I can find did anybody go out demon hunting uh when a person was brought to them then they cast out the demons when they're walking along their normal daily path and a person with a demon came uh you know across their path then they they cast it out and usually also I will say this the demon was manifesting it wasn't that the that um they just could stir it up. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12 how he uh, cast out the spirit by, uh, cast out the spirits by the Holy Spirit. And, and that's the point. The word and the spirit always work together. So you can have the word of God, but if the Holy Spirit's not going ahead of you to actually do the work, because the Holy Spirit is the one doing the work. He's the one who recreates our spirit. He's the one who fills us with the spirit. He's the one who's, who's doing things on the earth today. So unless that spirit, the Holy Spirit will go ahead of you and prepare that person and, and if you will, bring that demon spirit to the surface or or cause it to be manifest, to be cast out. Unless that really happens, you can be talking to a person with a demon, but that demon will lay low and the Holy Spirit's not there saying, you know, this is the time to cast it out. You, most of the time it, it manifests or was brought to Jesus purposely uh, to cast the thing out. So anyway, I hope I've provi provided a little bit of wisdom to you today. You cannot just say, okay, here's a movement happening in some city far off and say, I'm going to bind the, the devil over this or cast the demons out. No, no, no. You don't have the authority to do that. The Holy Spirit's not going to be with you for that. If you want to do anything, do what's scriptural, which if you look at the prayers of, of Paul in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 20, and chapter 3, verses uh, 14 through, well, 15 through 20 uh, of Ephesians, if you look at those prayers, 
you'll see that, that Paul's praying for the person from the inside out. Galatians 4.19 said the same thing. Uh, essentially, I'm my little children, I'm travailing in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Uh, travailing in birth again. In other words, he's praying for them and praying that Christ from the inside out uh, will will be formed in them. So they will drop these things off, these sins and these habits and these these things which which don't serve any any purpose for God. They they just bog you down. And so, uh, you know, if you want to do anything, then you pray for the people who are going to that meeting because that is effective. That you can pray for. But to, to just say, okay, there's a meeting happening, happening 500 miles away or 300 miles away or in my city and I'm going to take authority over principalities and powers. You never saw that. You never see that in scripture. When Paul went into Ephesus, I'll give you an example in Acts 19. Uh, there was a huge, what we would call revival, actually more accurately, not revival, but outpouring, uh, that, that people brought their occult books and everything else and they burned them so much so that the economy of the city was, was affected because in Acts 19, a, a, a statue maker, an idol maker, uh, raised up trouble against Paul because of, of what was going on because it so affected the economy that people were, were giving up the, the sorcery and the witchcraft and everything else. And Paul was there and he taught for two years so that the whole region of Asia, um, which is a pretty good sized region there in, uh, in Turkey, modern day Turkey, um, was affected and heard the word of God. So in Ephesus, which is probably the greatest outpouring that we see where people came just from their homes and just burned all their occult books and everything else, there was nothing that Paul did ahead of time to take authority over this spirit or that spirit. All he did was was talk to people about Jesus. And from there, the ripple effects caused those people to give up all those things on the occult and sorcery as they came to the Lord and they repented of dead works. They came to the Lord and and the whole city was changed and transformed. So that's the way to go about it as scripture presents it. So I hope that's uh clears up some things for you. As I said, rather than try to cast something out that you have no authority with and that the Holy Spirit's not going to be with you on, where he will be with you is praying for the people involved. Uh, follow the scriptural example of praying for the people involved. Even Jesus was praying and, and thanking the Father that he that he hid things from, from some people and, and revealed them to the simple and those with childlike faith. I mean... <laughs> That's why the way you pray, follow the example of the Lord and the apostles and, and the church history. You'll see that uh, that's accurate and balanced and true. So I hope it's been a blessing to you. God bless. Bye-bye.